Well, good morning to each one, and greetings in Jesus' name. It's good to see the church well filled. I, too, want to welcome the visitors. We're glad you're here and invite you to join in worship with us this morning. For a message, I invite you to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Today, we will be looking at the veiling for the Christian woman. In the past, we have considered the Christian salutation as well as the ordinance of anointing with oil. And as I said in the past, and I will say it again, of the seven ordinances that we believe the Bible teaches, the ordinance of water baptism, marriage, communion, and feet washing are probably the most familiar with us. As a church, we observe communion and feet washing twice a year. Occasionally, we witness water baptism as well as marriage. Along with these familiar events comes teaching on the ordinance that is being observed. And so we are considering the three not so familiar or not so talked about ordinances. And so today we are looking at the veiling for the Christian woman. I will be reading from the New King James. I'd like to read the uh, first 16 verses of chapter 11. And I made some copies of the uh, New King James. I have 30 copies. And if you would like a copy of the New King James to follow along this morning, uh, the ushers are going to pass some out. So if you want one, just raise your hand as they come through. And I have 30 copies. If, if a couple of you are together and can share, that would be great if we start running out. It's always handy when you have an artist in the family. So we'll give Carl credit for that. But we'll be using that for our, uh, to kind of help us understand this whole concept this morning. Do you have any left? You're out. How about Arlen? Okay, you got two more. Anyone else want a copy of the New King James? Okay, so we will read it this time. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1. Imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the traditions just as I delivered them to you. But I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ. The head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonors his head. But every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head, for that is one and the same as if her head were shaven. 
For if a woman is not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it is shameful for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God. But woman is the glory of man. For man is not from the woman, but woman from man. Nor was man created for the woman, but woman for the man. For this reason, the woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, neither is man independent of woman, nor woman independent of man in the Lord. For as woman came from man, even so man also comes through woman, but all things are from God. Judge among yourselves. Is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not even nature itself teach you that if a man has long hair, it is a dishonor to him? But if a woman has long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given to her for a covering. But if anyone seems to be contentious, we have no such customs, nor do the churches of God. Now, the book of 1 Corinthians is a return letter from the Apostle Paul to the church at Corinth. And if you're familiar with the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 7, verse 1 begins with, Now concerning the things whereof ye wrote unto me. And so it would appear that this letter to the Corinthians was written by Paul in answer to one, or maybe more than one, which he had received from them. And so the issue that Paul is addressing in 1 Corinthians 11 is irregularities in their manner of conducting public worship. The first issue that Paul reproves is the Corinthian men praying or prophesied, prophesying with their heads covered. And the Corinthian women praying or prophesying with their heads uncovered. Both, Paul says, are contrary to custom, propriety, and decency. And so Paul then, in a letter, gives reasons why the Corinthian folks should act differently. And so verse 2, he begins with, Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the traditions or the ordinances just as I deliver them to you. Excuse me. So Paul is writing this letter under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And I believe we must acknowledge that fact as we come to a study such as this. 2 Peter 3.16 tells us that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Let's keep that in mind as we go through this study today. So what is it all about? And why does it matter 
or make any difference, that a man should pray or prophesy with his head uncovered, and a woman pray or prophesy with her head covered. I'll begin with a couple stories. About a year ago, I attended the performance heifer sale in Gretna, Virginia. And like they usually do at the beginning of the sale, the auctioneer happily welcomed everyone. Thank you for coming. We're going to have a great day today. We got these beautiful heifers to sell. And so he went over all that and he went over the terms of the sale. But what was interesting, before the first cattle was brought into the ring, the auctioneer said, our tradition has always been to have prayer before the sale and ask God's blessing. And so we will have prayer at this time. The auctioneer then asked one of the farmers, who is also a pastor, to lead a prayer, to ask God's blessing on the sale. And so that farmer, he stood up, he said, let us pray. And at that point, every man in the sale barn that was wearing a hat, he took that hat off and he held it in his hand while the prayer was prayed. Just this past week, I attended another meeting, and this meeting was called the Halifax County Cattlemen Association. And if for you visitors, I am not a beef farmer, <laughs> but uh, it is a hobby that I enjoy. But yes, it was a very informative meeting. I learned a lot. They also had a meal, and before the meal, we had prayer. And what was interesting, the same farmer they asked to lead the prayer at the sale a year ago, they asked to pray this past uh, week. And so he stood up and, and he said, let us pray. And I couldn't help myself, I just had to pee. <laughs> I looked all around me. I mean, I was discreet about it, okay? <laughs> But every man that was wearing a hat and took that hat off was holding it in his hand. So what is this all about? That a man should pray or prophesy with his head uncovered and a woman pray and prophesy with her head covered. In verse 3, we have the word head three times. And let's look at verse 3 at this time. <coughs> But I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ, the head of the woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. What are these heads that verse 3 is speaking about? Well, here, let's look at our poster here. And this poster is called, the title of it is God's Plan for Protection. And the hand represents the hand of God. This is his plan. And at the top of the plan, you see Christ, and then man, and then woman. First, Christ is the head of the man. Not the physical head, not the head 
that is on his shoulders, but Christ is the Lord of the Christian man. When Christ is Lord of the Christian man, man will submit himself to the will of Christ and live in obedience to the word of God. When Christ is the Lord of man, man is protected. And under Christ's protection, he can provide and protect. Second, we see man is the head of the woman. Again, not the head head, but man is the Lord of the Christian woman. And I thought about that. Lord, is that the right word? But you know it says in 1 Peter chapter 3 that Sarah, Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And when man is the woman's Lord, the woman will submit herself unto her husband, as the Bible says, as it is fit in the Lord. When a Christian man is the Lord of the Christian woman, she is protected, and under that protection, she can provide and protect. And you think of all the children that come under that category that are provided for and protected under the woman. And so here we have God's plan for protection, not just spiritual protection, but physical protection as well. And this plan for protection is for all Christians. This is for married people, single people, youth. You see, it says Christ, man, and woman. It doesn't say Christ, husband, and wife. You see, God needs, the church needs, young men who are examples of the believer in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. We need young men that can lead out, young men that can make wise decisions, young men that the young girls feel comfortable around, safe and protected. You know, when I was a young guy growing up, there were some youth boys that the girls just wouldn't get in their vehicle with and ride with them. They just didn't feel safe. They didn't feel protected, and for good reasons. Guys, you, you don't want to be that way. Youth, you don't want to be that way. And I thought of, it, of an example. Maybe this is a little far-fetched, but let's just say the youth group is out. Let's say they're taking a hike on the Appalachian Trail. And they stop, the reason I said Appalachian Trail, I heard some rumor about that. But they stop for lunch. And they're there enjoying their lunch along the trail. And out of nowhere, here comes this bear. And he smelled those ham sandwiches, he smelled something. But here he comes. You know, in a situation like that, guys, the girls should have no worries. You guys should say, girls, get back. We got this. Now, this can be taken too far. <laughs> but the fact is, girls want to feel safe. 
and they want to feel protected. We also need young women. The church needs young women. God needs young women whose adornment is not merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel, but rather the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. And I will add, it's precious in the sight of young men as well. So let's go on to verse 4 and 5. Verse 4, it says, Every man praying or prophesying, having his head, that's his personal head, covered, dishonors his head, which is Christ. But every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered or unveiled dishonors her head, which is man, for that is one and the same as if her head were shaved. You see, this plan of protection, this plan of headship, you can call it, this plan of divine order that God designed for the good of mankind, it's so beautiful. In fact, it's so beautiful that we honor it in an outward way. A man prays or prophesies with his head uncovered, and a woman prays or prophesies with her head covered. And so the farmers at the sale a year ago and the farmers at the meeting last week, they acknowledged God's plan of protection and uncovered their heads while the prayers of blessing were being made. And as you know, probably only a few realized what they acknowledged. I want to think for a few minutes about a very important factor in God's plan of protection, and that is submission and obedience. And we can think of submission and obedience. Submission and obedience is like the oil in a gearbox. Oil in a gearbox protects, it lubricates, and it transfers heat. The gearbox needs the protection of the oil. Without it, it will quickly fail. And so we can think of submission and obedience is the oil in God's plan of protection. Submission and obedience, it protects the plan. It lubricates it. It makes it work well. And yes, it even transfers heat. Let's think about Christ for a moment. What did it mean for Christ to be submitted and obedient to his head? What did that mean? It meant giving up his will to do the will of his father. Philippians 2, 7 and 8, you can turn there if you like. What did it mean for Christ to be submitted and obedient? Philippians 2, verse 7. But made himself 
of no reputation, and took upon him a form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Think with me. What if Christ would not have submitted himself in obedience to the will of his Father? What would that mean to us as men if Christ would not have submitted himself? 1 Corinthians chapter 15 gives us some insight on that, and I will refer to two verses. You don't have to turn there. But it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 14, And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty, and your faith is also empty. Verse 17 says, And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile, you are still in your sins. But we say, praise the Lord, Christ has risen. And because of that fact, our preaching is full, our teaching is full, our faith is full, our faith is real. We can be free from the bondage of sin. And so our head, Jesus Christ, submitted himself in obedience to the will of his Father. As wonderful as that may be, submission and obedience did not begin nor end in Christ. It must be carried on. For us men, it will mean submitting ourselves and being obedient to our head, Jesus Christ. It will mean giving up our will to do the will of Christ. Men, we must realize that we are in the middle of God's plan of protection. We will either make it or break it. As men, we have no idea what it would be like for our head, Christ, to move out of his place of protection. We say things like, we say things like, we recite verses like, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We have no idea what it would be like for Christ to move out of his place of protection. But what about the women? For her protection, she is counting on the men to be submitted and obedient to his head. Jesus Christ. And so, married men, single men, youth men, your wife, your mother, your sisters, your aunts, the youth girls, the single ladies in the church are looking to us men to provide and to protect spiritually and physically. They are counting on you personally to faithfully submit yourself to obedience to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Again, God's plan for protection is so beautiful 
that men honor it with uncovered heads and women with their heads covered. Let's move on to verse 6 and 7. Verse 6 says, For if a woman is not covered, veiled, let her also be shorn. But it is shameful for a woman to be shorn or shaved, let her be covered or veiled. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God. But the woman is the glory of man. Verse 6, let her be covered. This cover is a literal cover or veil. And we believe it is more than just any generic headgear that you could buy at, it, at any given store. But it's a special cover or a special veil that is a visible symbol that says, as a woman, I am in agreement with God's plan of protection. And then verse 7, it says, For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, or cover his head with a cover that has religious significance. Weather protection for the head, for an example, does not have religious significance but yet it's still appropriate to remove it for prayer. But you know, and I say especially public prayer, I don't think it's a problem. I don't see it as an issue for us men if we're out going about our work on a cold winter day to be breathing prayers to God with our heads covered with uh, some type of weather protection. I think that's very appropriate. But when it's a public setting or a public meeting, it's appropriate to take off that weather protection for prayer. Talking about a hat with religious significance. And I'm not sure what I think about all this, but the, just another story. And you may not know this about me, but you may find it interesting. But the first 12 years of my life, the church that my parents attended, the black hat for the men was a test of membership. Other words, wearing a black hat for the men was a requirement to be a member. And this was no secret. This is just the way it was. As a young boy, not a member, I actually wore a black hat to church up to the time when I was about Quinn's age, when I remembered. I didn't like wearing that black hat, but I was told to do so. But as a young schoolboy, I remember the older boys, out of the blue, would show up at school one morning wearing a black hat. Now, what do you think happened? Why did they show up one morning out of the blue wearing a black hat? Well, they had became a Christian the night before. And so, the next morning, they came to school with a black hat on. A new creature with a new hat. And so, 
yeah. <laughs> and so imagine how that would have been. You know, looking back, I'm ashamed at how those boys were picked on. They would try to play soccer and try to play ball wearing a black hat. But that hat had religious significance. 1 Corinthians 11:7 says, For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, and I believe with a cover of religious significance. Let's move on to verse 8 through 12. Verse 8 through 12, these verses take us back to the creation. And so let's go back to the creation and just understand, so we understand what's going on. Uh, turn back to Genesis chapter 2. And we know the creation story. God created the world. He created the animals. And Adam got the job of naming them all. And so, you know, Adam was going down through and naming the animals, and there was male and female. But we get down to verse 20 of chapter 2. So Adam gave names to all the cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. And so verse 21, And the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of a man. And now let's go to verse 8. Of 1 Corinthians 11. For man is not from the woman, but woman from the man. We just saw that, didn't we? Nor was man created for the woman, but woman for the man. See, Adam needed a helper. For this reason, the woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, neither is man independent of the woman, nor woman independent of the man in the Lord. For as woman came from man there in the garden, even so man from that point on also comes through woman, but all things are from God. Now, I believe these verses balance what Paul is teaching. These verses bring the teaching into perspective. What I see here is, yes, the man and woman were created for two different purposes, two different roles. But yet in that plan, the man and woman are equal. They need each other. 1 Peter 3 says they are heirs together of the grace of life. And verse 10, it says... For this reason, the woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head. The veil is not a symbol of her authority, but it's a symbol of God's plan for 
authority because of the angels. Now, because of the angels, different folks have different ideas of what that means. But I will share what I see here. Because of the angels, the angels are watching. They look out and they see the symbol of authority on a woman's head. And they surround that veiled woman with protection. That is what I believe. And I believe this thought of the angels watching is especially special to a certain group of women. And those whose husbands are not faithful Christians, those um, women who are single, the women who are widows, the youth girls, the angels are watching. They are watching and they see that symbol of authority on the head and they surround that woman with protection. That is what I believe. And so in a situation like 1 Peter 3 verse 1 where it says, Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands that even if some do not obey the word, without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. And so I see these angels looking out where this may not be like it should be. And they are providing protection there. And so I, I just, the more I think about that, the more I see, the more excited I get about that. Because I believe the angels are filling in the gap where men are not under the headship of Christ. And even if men are, I think the angels are seeing it and acknowledging it. Women, I believe you're double protected. <laughs> and so now let's move on to 13 and through 16. And so just to kind of um, go over what we've looked at, um, recap it. Verse 1 through 7, Paul lays out the basis for this teaching. God's plan of protection. In verse 8 through 12, he balances the teaching. And the remainder of the verses, he reinforces the teaching. Judge among yourselves, verse 13, or think about it. Is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered or unveiled? Does not even nature itself teach you that if a man has long hair... It is a dishonor to him. You know, when you see a guy with long, girlish hair, it's repulsive. It's gross. Do you know that that is nature telling you that? I mean, it's just, it's just common sense that God has put into your brain. Nature also teaches you Verse 15, but if a woman has long hair, it is a glory to her, 
for her hair is given to her for a covering or a natural veil. Not a literal veil, but a natural veil. The woman's uncut hair is a covering of glory to her. It is given to her as a natural veil. And on that beautiful natural veil, the Christian woman places the symbol of authority veil that says, I am in agreement with God's plan of protection. Paul ends the discussion with verse 16. But if anyone seems to be contentious, and you know what that is, we have no such customs, nor do the churches of God. And so, in closing, I want to say several things. First of all, I want to say thank you to the women of this church, young and old, for faithfully obeying the teaching that we have looked at today. Year after year, you women faithfully wear the symbol of authority on your head. And may God bless you for your willingness to do so. Yes, at times you stand out. You look different. But God bless you for doing so. Another thing I'll say, and I believe you men will agree with me, the natural veil, the covering of glory, covered with the symbol of authority veil, is the most beautiful hairstyle on this earth. There is no hairstyle in the world that compares to it. Now to the man, myself included, myself first and you all right behind me, we find ourselves today in the middle of God's plan for protection. The women in our life are counting on us they are counting on us for our faithfulness, our obedience, our steadfastness, our submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And so as I thought about this last evening and again this morning, is the challenge in 1 Corinthians 11, is it for the women or is it for the men? And my encouragement to you men is to rise up O oh, men of God, the church for you doth wait, her strength unequal to her task, rise up and make her great. Amen. God bless you. We'll call first song.